It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm, so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we got to make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You can tell the mother guys are going plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's raining Jays Raining Millie's Welcome back This is the Locked On Celtics Podcast And we want to thank you for making us part of your daily routine We're here for you Monday through Friday And we very much appreciate you Tuning in, downloading taking us along along with you wherever you're going. Welcome, especially to the new listeners. If you're new and you're joining us after that debacle in Chicago, hey, welcome aboard. We are the Rain and Jays. I am John Corrales of MassLive.com. Jay King of The Athletic joins me from Chicago. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, I'm at RedsArmy underscore John. Jay is at by Jay King. Check us out on Twitter. We're always tweeting our faces off. And so we've got uh, Brad Stevens talking about it's his fault. We've got Kyrie Irving saying we're good because I'm here. And we've got that loss in Chicago that was just a kick in the pants. We'll say nicely, cleanly. And so let's start there, Jay. Uh, The Celtics came out in the first quarter and had a great first quarter, 12 12 assists on 15 made baskets. They were humming. They, you know, they had some defensive lapses, but they were. They yeah, were they moving. weren't playing much defense. Even yeah. then, the effort wasn't great. Yeah, but they were they were moving, and it felt like it felt like they they had things kind of somewhat under control. If they just kept playing the way they were playing, they, they would have they would have made their move. It felt like anyway. And then in the second quarter, boom, back to the old crap. The uh, selfish play, the lack of energy, the standing around on offense, the complete utter lack of communication on defense and here we are again so from the from the fans perspective from the outside perspective we're sitting here going like we just can't we can't shake this when we play bad teams this essentially when things aren't going great this is what we get decent first quarter big big finish the clutch numbers look great but second and third quarters were a big pile of crap yeah this the beginning of the second quarter was just a monstrosity when you're getting bum rushed, and I mean bum rushed by bums, <laughs> Ryan Archie Diacono, Shaq Harrison, freaking, I don't even know who else is on the Bulls bench, <laughs> but they were all just trampling over the Celtics, getting out in transition, scoring easy buckets. Celtics offense got way too frantic. The bench was just forcing a lot of stuff early in the shot clock, taking shots with no patience whatsoever, and it just spiraled out of control. And by the time the starters got back in, the the vibe was way off. The energy was gone. And Zach Levine and Markkinen got it going. And one thing led to another. And pretty soon, the Celtics are down to the Bulls, the freaking Bulls, 
by 25 points. It was, I mean, in a, in a season of bad losses, ugly losses, that might have been the single worst. Chicago had 15 wins entering the night. They were on a back-to-back. They played in Orlando the night before. They didn't get in until after 1 a.m., and they still trampled the Celtics, who had gotten nice, nice little bit of rest in Chicago the day before. Mm-hmm. So just, just an ugly, ugly loss. So in the first quarter, Jason Tatum was 4 of 5, 9 points. He got four shots the rest of the way. Four. Why? Why is he only getting four shots the rest of the way when like this is what the Celtics really need to work on? Like the, the I say work on like the season still it's like it's not almost over. Uh, but if they're gonna be if they're gonna be their best, they can't have Jason Tatum, who's really supposed to be at this point until Gordon Hayward gets back. He's gonna be their third best player, and. If, if he's out there having that first quarter that he had, he can't come back in. And some of it is what him being passive, maybe, but some of it is also got to get him the ball. We got to get him out there. We got to start working this offense. Everybody's blaming Terry Rozier. Like he's, he's prime suspect number one in all of this. The second quarter comes in, Terry Rozier comes in, and he starts going off and taking some of the worst shots you're going to see. And then that has a ripple effect. Like, they don't run any pick and roll with Gordon Hayward, really. They ran one pick and roll with Gordon Hayward at the beginning of the quarter, and it resulted in a Terry Rozier three, the one shot that he made. And then they get away from that, and everything starts to fall apart. The, the reason why the Celtics get have success with the second unit is they found a way to get Gordon Hayward the ball in pick and roll situations, him and Tice especially, and and they play off of that. They didn't get any of that stuff. And, and watching Terry Rozier go off on his own so often, and having that that effect on the rest of the players, it, it just at some point, and we get to Brad Stevens blaming himself. At some point, it's on Brad Stevens to say, "All right, Terry, you, we can't have you out there playing like this." And if it takes benching him for the second half or a game or something to get, get him the message he's got to do something. That's not the only problem, but that's a big problem. Honestly, I thought Rozier got too much heat last night. I mean, I I know he wasn't good. I know he's missed a lot of shots lately. I I know that hasn't always looked good with him on the court. Um, The entire offense just broke down early in the second quarter. And, I mean, it was just Jalen Brown took a few early shot clock shots in transition that were ambitious. Marcus Smart got stripped in the post by, I think it was Shaq Harrison. It was like just everything snowballed real quick. Mark, Mark, Marcus Morris, rather. Marcus Morris missed a layup that ended up going the other way for a Bulls bucket. It was just everybody was, was missing a lot. And, Terry caught a lot of heat for it, and he was part of it, but it was a bench-wide monstrosity. It, it was not just him. Um, it wasn't just him, but he was, like, prime suspect in, in all of this. Like, he was the most blatant offender. Like, with, with that Marcus Morris mislayup, that was uh, – it's a great example of how everybody was uh, at fault because what ends up happening, he – if I recall correctly, he was 
driving in to take that layup and everyone just kind of sagged below the free throw line. And when you're, when you're in transition and your, uh, your guy goes in for the layup and everyone's just kind of trail and like, like following along and gets in too deep. If he misses, then that's a guaranteed layup the other way because the other team just leaks out. I mean, it, it's, it happens over and over and over again. That's just a lack of focus that they don't have one guy that kind of hangs back just in case Morris misses. So that's a good example. But when you, like Terry Rozier's plays where, where he's ambitious, as you say, are so blatant. Like it's not, like Jalen Brown, who, yeah, he took shots early in the shot clock, but it's kind of, if he makes those, we're like, okay with it. I guess that you can say that about anybody. So that's not fair. But, uh, Terry Rozier was hunting. Like he, that one play where he got the ball in transition, lost it at the free throw line, dribbled out to the left corner and then fired a three within like five or six seconds. That's the thing that just stands out and just blows your mind. And you wonder, all right, Terry's going off all like that again. Our players sitting there thinking like, all right, Terry's going off again. What are we going to do? Like he controls the ball. He's a ball handler. Yeah, the other part of that lineup, I think Tatum and Morris were in there. And Rozier didn't have a second point guard. A lot of the time you'll see him play with Kyrie Irving. A lot of the time you'll see him play with Marcus Smart, Gordon Hayward. Normally, the Celtics have another point guard on the court with Terry Rozier. They didn't during that stretch. And I don't think that's the best way to utilize him. I think it's pretty clear that he needs somebody else out there who's capable of making plays. Obviously, he can make some plays. And obviously, he can run some offense. But that's not the role he's best at. And so I I think it was a mistake to have him out there without another point guard during that initial stretch at the start of the second quarter when the Bulls went on that 10-0 run. Yeah, I, I agree. That's that's definitely something that we've seen. It doesn't say much for Terry Rozier, who's going to go off and try to be somebody's main point guard, but it, it, this on this team with this with this group, that's true. Uh, Jalen Brown missed a bunch of shots. Uh, Gordon Hayward was kind of a no-show in this one, and I don't know. I don't think it was lingering effects of the ankle. Uh, he, he looked like he was moving fine. It's just he, he just didn't get the ball. I mean, he had six... Six shot attempts. He really didn't do much. Uh, if he hits one more shot attempt, then all of a sudden he shoots 50%. Like he, he just didn't get much. He, he had a few assists, but didn't seem like he did much with the time out there. The bench overall was just generally not good. Um, they got outscored by Ryan Archie Diacono in the whole first half. That's Archie Diacono was just killing them. I mean, that, that's, that's sad when you're getting destroyed by Archie Diacono. So let's. And like. The Celtics bring an all-star and two playoff starters off the bench. And Ryan Archie Diakono is outscoring all of them. And then, eh, not like, great. Not great. Not great. <laughs> I, guess, I guess, like, we sit here and we, we – there's a bunch of hand-wringing on this. It just all boils down to effort. Like, when they try they and they and they have it in them, they're capable of it. We see it all the time. When they try, they're fine. They're fine. They're a good team. But when they don't try – then it's like what Kyrie said last night. It's like every we lose two, three in a row, we come here and answer the same questions all the time. Well, the same questions because it's the same crap. It's the same crap. You, you play the Bulls, you have a good first quarter, and this team just, whenever things get comfortable for this team, they suck. 
they they had a good first quarter, not great, but a good first quarter where, like I said, the ball was moving. They did give up 28 points, but they outscored Chicago 33-28, and they're like, all right, we're good. We're good. Now, the second quarter, they sucked. They outscored Chicago in the second half, but, I mean, 65-62, like, that's still crazy. You still give up 62 points. Like, they never had that thing that really got them to get some stops. Like, they never had the energy to get stops. Uh, and it really, like, at the end, down the stretch, where you, this is how you know there was no effort. Like, they, when they actually did force a miss, they didn't even box out. They gave up two or three offensive rebounds, putbacks in the fourth quarter that just crushed any chance of a comeback. So we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll see what Brad Stevens' role in all of this is. Again, and he took he took a lot of the heat after the game. We'll see what we can do here. Uh, stick around here on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. If you're listening, you're listening in your car. Remember, you can tell your smartphone, your smart device, your smart car to play podcast Lockdown Celtics or any one of the, the podcasts on the Lockdown Celtics network. Just use the trigger word, whatever it is, and tell your device, play podcast, and then whatever it is. So if you're driving along and you don't can't fumble with your phone, just say, play podcast Lockdown Celtics, and we'll come on. So do that, and we'll be right back here on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet wherever you get your podcasts. Brad Stevens falling on his sword again. He's done this before. He did it again after this game and said, I'm disappointed in myself. And I just for my anecdotal evidence, I'm sure you see it on your own Twitter, Jay. People are calling for uh, they're calling for blood, and which is any any sort of uh, anybody who's out there saying that 
Brad Stevens needs to go. I mean, it's a, it's a wild overreaction. Just put that out there. But Brad Stevens says he needs to be better. So, Jay, I don't know. What do you think? How can he be better? It's interesting because you go back through the whole season and you can look at, like, all the key decisions, right? Like starting Gordon Hayward for the first 17 games or whatever it was or the first 20 games or however many games it was, was that a mistake? Should they have done it? Like, you can see both sides. Obviously, Gordon Hayward, like, if he's right, if they can get him right, then they need him. And it's more important to try to get him right than to be good over the first 20 games. But (laughs) that initial starting lineup sucked. And it sucked for 17 games. And it put the Celtics in a hole that they've never really recovered from, even spiritually. Like, if they had started a little better and their record was a little better than it was, some of these losses wouldn't sting as much as they have. And some of the the filthy aroma around this team wouldn't exist. So that, like, is that on Brad? I don't know. Like, if he hadn't started Hayward from the start, that's not a very long-term view. And it... So I I can go either way. There there are so many things with this team, and it's just like the dynamics have been so difficult. And then you look at overall, like if they had a little more luck, they the discussion about them would be entirely different, right? Like Pythagorean wins on BasketballReference.com. Celtics are forty one have forty would are expected to have forty one wins right now which is tied for second with the Warriors behind only the Bucks. And if that was the case, if they were in second place in the Eastern Conference, tied with the Warriors in the standings, nobody would be freaking out about this team. And I don't think the players even would be freaking out like they have. But because, you know, they have had some ugly losses and because they've underperformed compared to their margin of of victory or net rating, whatever you want to call it, they just haven't they've they've had this weird vibe around them and how much of that is on Stevens how much of that is on the players how how has he impacted everything it's it's a long and windy discussion <laughs> that we've tried to have before and i just think there's there are a lot of gray areas with this team and a lot of difficult decisions with this team and a lot of dynamics that have been very difficult to navigate through with this team. Um, and that being said, the season has been a disappointment and the Celtics have underperformed and the coach has to be responsible for some of that. How much? I don't know exactly. Yeah. It's hard to put the finger on it because I can see both sides on something, something like I agreed with the Gordon Hayward, like starting, starting that lineup. I agreed with, I thought that was going to be their best chance. And okay, so it didn't work out. And maybe maybe he waited two or three games too long. If you can argue that you say, okay, Gordon Hayward as a starter was not going to work out. Brad Stevens, if there is a weakness, you call it a weakness. Uh, he has a tendency to just he wants guys to figure things out. That's why he doesn't use his timeouts the way some people might want him to. Uh, he wants guys to figure things out. On their own because they're professionals and you should, as a player, be able to. And and these guys are good players. So the, the in-game stuff, like the timeouts and the substitutions, okay, we could say, we could argue, 
just bench Terry Rozier. Fine. What's the ramification of that? Does does Terry Rozier start bitching in the locker room? Do players start to take sides? What's the what's the dynamic? Does that hurt the team? What what does it help the team? Do, I I don't know. Like that's it's hard to navigate that road and it's this isn't like college. This isn't like high school. And when people are saying just do this, the dynamic is different in the pros. It's just different. And and, and people are saying bench Terry Rozier but Honestly, what has Brad Wanamaker shown? I mean, he's he's shown he's been okay in limited time, but it's not like he's but he's come he's out barely played. Like, it's right. it's not like he's been very good. You know, it's it's like sure you can say bench Terry Rozier because he's had some issues, but one the the upside of Terry Rozier is far higher, and two, you don't know what Wanamaker is going to give. Honestly, like he hasn't played much at all. He's been fine when he has. But what is he going to give you? I, I think, honestly, like the limiting Terry Rozier's minutes thing, probably a better conversation for the playoffs. Like playoff yeah, rotation get to, yeah. when, when you can have like an eight man rotation and or, you know, minimize his minutes in the playoffs, play Kyrie 40 minutes, overlap his minutes minimally with Rozier and then play Jalen Hayward and Baines or Tice or whoever. Um minutes at center like that that to me is when the terry rozier conversation becomes interesting but during the regular season i I really don't think it's it's that much of a a consideration for brad right now yeah i I think the other thing like i said we brought up the timeouts before uh it'd be i think he he is a little too conservative with those Uh, we saw the uh the contrast last night whenever the celtics made a little run like a little four six point run Boylan would call a timeout and he would settle his guys down. Now that's, he's got a young team and, and he's, he's trying to coach differently. And, and so I get it. And like I said, Brad Stevens wants to get these guys, like these guys are going to need to figure things out. Like if they can't, if you can't start trying, like what do you do? You call a timeout and be like, Hey, come out, try. Well, you know what? They had a whole halftime last night to get themselves settled, to come out, in the third quarter, like the second quarter wasn't even the most disappointing thing. The most disappointing thing last night was that they came out of halftime and still looked exactly the same. Like they still didn't care. Uh, is that Brad Stevens fault? Like is, are people reacting to Brad Stevens and his not too high, not too low mentality when he comes out and talks post game, like last night's a little bit different because he said, uh, I'm it, it's on me. And he, he took all the blame, but generally he comes out and is very measured. That's, that's his personality. Is some of this, do you think, I think this is the case, is some of this just people wanting Brad Stevens to come out and be like pop and be like, we sucked, everybody in there sucked, this game sucked, it was an affront to the basketball gods, and we got to do better. Like, He kind of did say that stuff, though. But he, like he said, we got outplayed in every which way. He said, sure, he can kind of say it, Jay, but you know what I'm talking about. Like The, the people who are really like upset about Brad Stevens, they want fire. They want him to come out and for once say, you know what? That was unacceptable. What we did out there was completely unacceptable, and and we can't have this anymore. If we're going to be a championship team, we can't do this, and and whatever. Like, they want somebody to be pissed off, and that's not Brad. Like, that's just not how he's going to be. But I think that's what – when people are complaining about Brad Stevens, I think that's part of it. They want to hear and feel that fire coming out of him. So Brad is always – 
kind of chosen his words carefully, I think, in post-game press conferences. And if you've seen it lately, he's been pointing the finger at himself a lot. And I think that's kind of to deflect maybe some of the (laughs) animosity that's gone on in the locker room and some of those harsh feelings. And he's trying to kind of minimize the damage there. Like these Celtics have been so wound up after losses. And if he comes out and just tortures them, then, then all the, the, the questions to the players are a little bit different and a little bit more pointed. And, he he knows, I think, the impact on that. So I, I think he's trying to kind of set the tone like, OK, we're fine. This is on me. I've got to fix it. And yes, we sucked. Yes, we got outplayed in every facet. Yes, I was incredibly disappointed by getting bum rushed by the Chicago bench and two guys in Zach Levine and Laurie Markkinen who set their career high and combined for almost 80 freaking points. (laughs) But also like, this is just one loss. And so I I don't mind him trying to set that tone. I think there's just been an interesting dynamic on this team. And I think a lot of it is just, they haven't won as much. And when you don't win as much, then frustration happens. Mm -hmm. Like I remember when when my team's lost, shit, yeah, if, if you put a microphone in front of me after a game, I would have been sounding off. Yeah, and so guys sound off sometimes, and and I think I think it's fine. And I was really really intrigued by Kyrie Irving's 180 shift in in mindset after the loss to Chicago. Good place to end it. That's a that's what we call a segue because we're going to talk about that coming up next on the Locked On Celtics podcast. I was not in Chicago, Jay. You were. When I was watching the playback of Kyrie Irving's uh, press conference or media availability afterwards in the locker room, I for, I for sure thought it was going to follow the same tone. Like he's come out after other bad losses, head down, very terse. Some you know one one word answers or very short answers, and and clearly upset. All of a sudden, after this game, he's like, "We'll be fine. We're good." Standing there, like not a not a care in the world, and it was like, "Yeah." disappointing we have some stuff to think about who's got stuff stuff to figure out and he says two things one he says in a seven game series when we have time to prepare for a team i don't think anybody can beat us in seven game series and we'll be okay and you asked there was you right that asked the follow-up why do you think so this is true and he says because i'm here like boom (laughs) uh what a comment I mean, what a comment. First of all, badass comment. Badass absolutely, comment. Absolutely. Why? Absolutely. Because I'm here, mother bleepers. <laughs> uh, I think it's also it's also pretty funny because he literally has never won a playoff game without LeBron James. Literally has never appeared in a playoff game without LeBron James. And does that matter? Probably not. When he was young, he didn't have a chance because his team sucked. 
Last year, he didn't have a chance because he got injured. With him, Celtics probably reached the NBA Finals last year. So because I'm here, it could be a valid. <laughs> we don't know. Um, but it, he put a lot of pressure on himself, one, to perform in the playoffs like he expects to. Two, this was an entire pivot, full pivot from what he's done earlier in the season. And granted, he has kind of held on to the fact that the Celtics are that he believes in the Celtics as championship contenders, even when kind of ripping them apart. He's always held on to that. But the optimism and the kind of like, yeah, I'm I'm past this loss already. That has that was yes, new. That was another that was another good quote where he said it was Jackie McMullen, it sounded like, who said, Where do you put this loss? Uh, in in terms of all the other losses, and he goes just behind me, done right away. First quick, boom, done. Like wow. Yeah, and he was like, yeah. Sometimes guys get going and they just score a lot of points, and then you move on. It's like, <laughs> all right, man. Uh, so that that was an interesting shift, and honestly, with Kyrie, it's tough to know what means a lot, and you know, it could be just whatever he he thought. That this time he was like, whatever, looking forward to the playoffs. Three days from now, he might shift again. Like, I don't, I don't know if this Possible. is something that he sat down and thought, okay, we need me to be more positive from now on. We need me to start preparing for the playoffs. We need me to, to give these guys hope um, the rest of the way. I don't know if it was that calculated. Uh, I have no idea what he's thinking. I, I'm not sure I ever have any idea what he's thinking, and but it was definitely a a very different response from Kyrie Irving to a disappointing loss than he's had at pretty much any point this season. Yeah, you know, in a vacuum without the previous kind of explosions that he's had, I don't know if explosion is the right word, but the way he's framed things before, in a vacuum, like that's exactly what you want a leader to say. Like, sure, everybody's disappointed, but you got a guy up there who says the loss, we're, we're done. We're, we got to, we got to move past it immediately. So you set a tone by saying it losses in the NBA. And Al Horford said the same thing. Like in the NBA, you just got to move forward and you got to look at the next game. And you, sure, you do the whole thing. You look at film and blah, 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 and see what we could do differently and, and try to fix that. But move forward. So that's step one. Step two, I believe in everybody here because he says in a seven game series, I don't think anybody can beat us like that, you know, in and of itself is, you know, if I'm hearing that, if I'm Jalen Brown, if I'm Terry Rozier or Jason Tatum, I hear that. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's right. Like, and fine. And, and the, because I'm here is like, that's our guy. That's our star player. And I, in a vacuum, like all of that stuff. Outside of it, framing using the the frame of reference of the entire season, like is this is this gonna fly? Maybe I don't know. I, I think I think if guys in the locker room are looking to him for this thing to to hang their hat on, like sure, I, I can see it being a thing. If he continues, if he continues this, like after losses, just standing there and saying, you know what, a little bit more positive, even if he's got something pointed to say, a little bit more positive. I liked I liked what he said last night, and it was even the because I'm here part. I like the because I'm here part. I do 
because you know I, I just take that as a confidence. Like I I got this. Like when 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 it hits but why, the fan. But why not we got this? When he says because I'm here, like that yeah. that comment. Because it just it just goes to show, I think, that he believes enough in, in his own abilities to say, if we need me to take over, I can do it. Like he said, but why not say why not say because we're the most talented team and by playoffs we'll figure everything out? Well, he did say that in, in when he said, I know he didn't. I, he said, I what, think we'll win a seven game series against anyone. He says he said. In a seven-game series, I don't think anybody can beat us. And I, yeah, but that okay. So again, that's that's a belief well, in his team. But when asked why, he said because I'm here. Oh, because yeah, because I'm here. Because that's that's confidence in yourself. Like, what's what else is he gonna say? I mean, he's gonna say, well, because we've got like the the most talented ten guys. Sure, okay. I I don't I don't mind that he said because I'm here. I think that's I think that was an awesome thing to say. Like, that's your leader. He's clearly the best guy in the team. He's that's the guy that if he's if he's not gonna lead you to the wins like that, that everybody knows who the best player is. But if you're Al Horford, yeah. or uh, Al Horford doesn't roll his eyes about anything. Al Horford's like probably the greatest teammate who ever lived. Right. But if you're if you're other guys on the team and you're looking at it like uh, Kyrie set himself apart from everyone else again, do do you think there's any of that? Like uh, I, I don't know. Well, to see, to me, it's like like even this he's dividing things between him and okay, I everyone else. Point. I can see that point, especially... I, I, honestly, it was a badass comment. I don't think we should read too much into it. I think, like, he was just after a game, and he was just saying something. Like, I don't think he actually meant, like, it's only because of me, guys. I, I think I'm kind of, I'm definitely reading too into things, but I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate here. Yeah, but see, I don't think like, he said that because it's only because of me. Like, it's like, I got this. I, I'm there. It's no different than Cedric Maxwell saying, get on my back, boys. Like, every team has that player, that guy that says, when we need it, I got it. Like, he's the guy when nothing has fallen. Okay, everybody's gone cold. He's the guy that can go do it. We all know it. They all know it. So this isn't the same thing as him saying earlier in the season, uh, you know, I've tasted a championship. I know a championship you guys don't know. That is, that's a little bit divisive. This is, I think, this comes from more of a confident place and not a place that says it's me versus you guys or it's me above you. It's just, it's just, he knows he's got supreme confidence. Like he knows he's the best player on the team. He knows, and he has a feeling that he's one of the best players in the NBA. So that's, that's, I think where he's coming from. And I, I don't have any problem with that comment. I'd see that comment. And it's like, I know, I know that. And look, what other guy on the team, when, when it's the clock's ticking down is five seconds left and you're stuck. You're looking for Kyrie Irving. You know, you're looking for Kyrie Irving. So, Everybody knows it. I don't have I don't have an issue with that particular comment. Yeah. So what's interesting too is the shift kind of started in Milwaukee for Kyrie. Like the Celtics lost a really tough game in Milwaukee. He missed a last second shot that would have won. And after the game, he was like, "Yeah, we made some mistakes late that cost us." He said, "But we'll execute better next time. <laughs> we'll learn the game plan for next time." And it was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. 
confidence. Uh, so the shift kind of happened in Milwaukee, and then he doubled down on it and took it to another level after the Chicago game. So even though the Celtics are 0-2 after the All-Star break, we've kind of seen Kyrie come back with a little different mindset, at least toward the press regarding their setbacks. And again, I don't know whether it means anything. I don't, <laughs> I have no clue what it means, whether it means much of anything. I, I think we've probably spent a lot more time than we should discussing Kyrie Irving's words and the meaning behind them this year. That's like, because yeah. I don't think anyone really knows. Well, I just wonder, like he had those, the, the comments about the video, like where he, he went off on, you know, after bullpetting, I asked him the question and was like, is the internet real, real life to you? And, and all of that. And then to have this dramatic shift in, in just tone, I just wonder if he had a conversation with somebody, a friend, a family member, a, co- a confidant, an agent, somebody coaches. I don't know if somebody was like, look, man, I, I can appreciate, cause this is what I would say to him. I can appreciate your candor. I can see where you're coming from, but sometimes you make things worse. Like we just, we talked about that last week that, you got to stop. You got to stop being your own worst enemy sometimes, and like you can focus it a different way. I don't know, or maybe he's just he's decided on his own. It'd be interesting to see. I agree. We've talked a lot about Kyrie and how he says things, and uh, it's interesting. Everything he says is interesting, and this is every you know single what? thing. I, just before, not to drag this this whole thing out, but this is Kyrie Irving and the way he's treated by talking heads is. Exactly why so many players don't speak freely, because when you do speak freely, we we all in general, the collective we say, man, we just want these players to be honest. Stop giving us the canned answers. But when they when they stop giving you the canned answers and they're real, then people love to pick them apart. And this goes back to, I think, the, the real unfair reaction for Kyrie was when he said he called LeBron. And talk shows and the Skip Baylesses of the world just crapped all over him for it because it was whatever. I, I forget what their argument was. And I, I, from there, I saw a shift. I, me personally, I saw kind of a shift in how he was around the media. Like he was opening up and I think kind of letting people in a little bit and just being honest about it. And people just lost their minds. Some people, not everybody. Uh, and this is this is exactly why. Like ever since then, and every everything he says has been picked apart and analyzed and overanalyzed and hyper, you know, drill down this and what does he mean by this particular word and his inflection? How did he say that? Uh, that's why so many players just say, you know what? But here's the thing, John. If you open up and you're like Al Horford, and it's the last play of the game, and Kyrie decided to take a lefty floater instead of pass out to you. And I don't even know if that was the right play. Like by the time Horford opened up and Giannis committed to Kyrie, it might have been too late for Horford to get off a good shot. But whatever. Horford was pretty open on the wing. Kyrie didn't pass it to him. And Horford says, We got Kyrie with the ball. That's what we wanted. Right. Now that it, it, you can't pick that apart. Right, exactly. Ky- That's Kyrie, exactly my point. Kyrie Jay. leaves himself open to be picked apart because a lot of his comments are critical of teammates. And a lot of even the LeBron thing that he shared was passive aggressively critical of teammates. And so like, like, yes, if you're open 
with the media and some of the things you're doing are controversial, then yes, it will get picked apart. So, I mean, it, it's you you can say yes, the media went wild, but also he's opening himself up to this criticism because a lot of the things he said have been divisive. Yes, I agree. I agree that he he's a, he is his own worst enemy sometimes, but I also think that this climate with social media and the million talking heads, uh, talk shows, whatever the hell they are there, there's a, there's all of these two people yelling at each other shows and it just, it just, it, it just makes it, makes it worse. Like it, it just blows things up out of proportion. So yeah, I, well, don't, yeah. I don't disagree. <laughs> I don't disagree. That is absolutely true. Yeah, I don't disagree. And, 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 because it blows up, like I go back to that stupid video, like that that should never have blown up, like that should never have even been a question. I get why the question was asked, but like that that type of crap is, I'd be pissed too if I was if I was Kyrie, and that's just part of the atmosphere that he's in. So anyway. That's my aside. We didn't forget about tacos. We're going to do these quickly. I, I left them to the very end last second because there are no real tacos to hand out in this. Because in the two losses. Al to Horford taco. Yep. There's really, there's like two. Uh, Al Horford for sure gets a taco in for for his performances. Although he didn't get, they didn't go to him as much as like the first quarter last night. He was awesome. Awesome. And they didn't go back to him very much. He had 15 shots, but I feel like he could have done so much more. Like, run the offense through Al Horford all the time. I agree. He gets a taco. I think Kyrie gets a taco. Last night's kind of what people aren't talking about is Kyrie last night, 31 points, 10 assists. He shot 58%, 50% from three, perfect from the line. The Milwaukee game was not nearly uh, as good, but the – Fourth quarter of the Milwaukee game was was pretty good. Ten points in the fourth quarter, four of eight. I mean, he he led that that comeback, and he did have a chance at the end. I, I think Kyrie gets a taco. Kyrie gets a taco. Are you asking me like incredulously? Yes. Yeah, Kyrie gets a taco. Last night's game was awesome. For for so so he played an awesome game in a ten point loss to Chicago. And he played a crappy first half against Milwaukee, which was part of the reason they lost to the Bucks. Uh, I don't think he deserves a taco. He played. He played to me less than par for him. Well, less than par is still good enough to get a taco. I still. I like his first half. Granted, against Milwaukee, his first half was bad. His second half was good. He recovered in the second half. He scored twenty points in the second half against Milwaukee. Like that's that's what. Give Baines a taco. <laughs> Give Baines a taco. You're supposed Baines to play. In, J- Baines, in his absence, deserves a taco. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, okay, but that's. I can't believe you're like incredulous about Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving, like, yeah. Well, they've had two games. He was trash in the first half of one of them. Yeah. And okay in the other three quarters. Jay, come on. Okay in the other three quarters. Yeah. Okay. I'm not <laughs> for him. I mean, for him, we expect right. him to be great. Okay. Uh, okay. So I, I fine. I still think he, he ends up taco worthy. If not, if for nothing else for the quote, just for the quotes. Um, 
But that's it. I'm not giving out any other tacos, I don't think. Like, Jason Tatum was good, but he didn't, he didn't get it enough. He didn't get enough to make an impact. Jalen Brown was pretty good against Milwaukee, but uh, still inconsistent. So that's it. Two tacos. Good. Any One other taco. tacos? One taco. One, <laughs> One taco. <laughs> all right that's it we're gonna wrap it up i want to thank everybody for listening again all you new listeners i deserve a taco no you don't yeah i do no for what because i'm here <laughs> oh god jay you have divided this podcast way too often yeah. <laughs> i am a very divisive force on this podcast yeah yeah your passive aggressiveness on this podcast is just too too divisive uh, all you new listeners, thanks for listening. Go ahead and subscribe. We hope you've enjoyed it enough to do so. All you regular diehards, shouts to you, the listener gods, as Jay King would say. We appreciate you listening. Hope you give us that five-star rating, a good written review, and you share the podcast. Tell everybody, listen to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and Jay King. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.